welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I want to talk to you tonight for a few moments, and I'm, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about this because, oh goodness, it's been on my heart for a long time now, and I keep saying it, and you can ask Pastor Mark, he'll, you know, we'll call and we'll have just, or he'll call and we'll have these little uh, pre-staff meeting conversations, him and I will. Sometimes it's a short phone call, sometimes he uh, drops into my office and we sit there and talk, And because I don't make it to all of the staff meetings, because staff meetings are on Tuesdays, and on Tuesdays I'm at the state office. And so sometimes, uh, you know, he, he takes care of the staff meetings for me. In fact, all of the time he takes care of the staff meetings for me now. And if I get back in time, then I slip in usually at the end of the staff meeting and they all laugh and pick up their, you know, their, their little uh, iPads and stuff like that and say, Pastor's here, meeting's over. And they get up and then they, I make them sit back down and we go another hour. And that's why they want to get up because they don't want to go another hour. Um, but he'll say, is there anything in particular you want to talk to us about? And for probably the last month or two, I've always told him, please talk to them about prayer. Please talk to our staff about prayer. Talk to our leaders about prayer. Talk to, it's really on my heart. Church, as your pastor, let me say this to you from my heart. This church does not pray enough. We do not pray enough. We don't, and you say, well, pastor, I mean, that, that's an indictment. No, it's not an indictment. It's, it's information that I'm giving you. What I want to do is I want to go through some prayer steps tonight. And I'm, I'm, I ask myself questions sometimes because I love to pray. I love to spend time with God. There's very few things in the world, and probably there's probably not anything in the world I enjoy more than going into my office, shutting the doors, putting on some soft worship music, and just being in the presence of the Lord. I mean, I love to spend time with God. Now, I'm a very busy man, and sometimes I actually have to schedule that time into my days anymore. And, you know, you can do it when you're driving down the road and all of that kind of thing, and that's kind of the impromptu times that you do it. But when I talk about prayer, I'm talking about saying, okay, God, I'm going to give you this time of every day. And it might be 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at noon and 15 minutes at night or it might be an hour in the morning, it might be in the evening, but we've got to find a time where we make time for God in our day. And we should always do it in the beginning of the day. We should always do it in the beginning of the day because God deserves our very best and God deserves the first fruits of our life, doesn't he? So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about this. In August 2005, in Newsweek and BeliefNet, which is two different uh, magazines, one is a secular magazine and one is a spiritual magazine, uh, there was a poll that was taken and, the, and a question was asked of 1,004 Americans what they believe and how they practice their faith. One of the questions was this, what do you think is the most important purpose of prayer? And here are their responses. Number one, 27% said this, to seek God's guidance. Okay? 23% said to thank God. 19% said to be close to God or to the divine. 13% said to help others. 9% said to improve a person's life. Others said, you know, someone said something other than those things was 4%. 
and 5% of the people actually said they don't even know what the purpose of prayer is. Tonight, I want to, to discuss with you, and I want to talk with you about the proper process of prayer and, and how to pray effectively. Here's what I tell people when they tell me, well, I don't even know if God's real or not. I say, well, pray to him and find out. Just pray to him and find out. Well, I, I, you know, I just don't know. There's been too many bad things that's happened in my life. And if God loved me, he wouldn't let those things happen to me. Well, why don't, have you talked to the Lord about it? Have you just talked to him about those things? Have you, have you let him know how you feel? Because see, God's not the type of person when we talk to him, God is not the type of person that's going to give a deaf ear to what you have to say. You're not going to offend God. You can chew him out and you're not going to offend him. He loves you too much to be offended by you. He cares too much about you to be offended by you. So tonight there are three or four things that I've put together and I call this the process of prayer. In other words, when I start praying, praying, what do I need to do first? What do I need to do second? What do I need to do third? What do I need to do fourth? And if you'll put down this little process and kind of go by it, it'll help you get a prayer life started. And when, I mean, when I'm talking about a prayer life, I'm talking about taking some time and setting it aside every single day and saying, okay, God, this is your time. If you don't know what to do with that time, then you're just going to sit there. But when you know what to do with it, then it'll help you. And so the purpose of my teaching tonight is try to, to try to teach you some of the basics of a prayer life or how to pray effectively, okay? First of all, and I've got a lot of scripture tonight. I know I haven't read anything yet, but I have a lot of scripture tonight. And so hopefully we can get through at least the majority of this tonight. First of all, if we're going to pray, the first thing that we need to do is we need to come before God and we need to express our adoration for him. Now go to Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 uh, and verses 14 through 21. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21, here's what it says. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who would be God. Who's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? That would be God. So the Apostle Paul was telling the Ephesian church, For this cause I bow my knee to God, okay, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That scripture right there, Ephesians 3.19, if you've been here any length of time at all, you know that's my life verse right there. When I graduated high school, that's the verse I put down as my life verse. To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end. Amen. So when we say here in verse number 14, for this cause I bow my knees unto God or unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is an expression of adoration. 
So when we come to our Heavenly Father, the first thing that we should come to Him and do is adore. We should adore Him. Uh, in the Webster's Dictionary, the word adoration means to the act of paying honors to a divine being, the worship paid to God, or the act of addressing as a God. So when we come to him in adoration, then we come to him and we pay honor to him. God, I adore you and I thank you because you're my God, because you sent Jesus to be my Savior. Sometimes you can come to him and if you're praying and asking God for a miracle, Lord, I thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, my healer. That's an expression of adoration. That's an expression of adoration. Now, adoration among the Jews was performed by bowing. And so that's probably why the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian church, he said, for this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because it was a, a form of adoration. Hello, Father. Hello, Father. And so that was a form of adoration. Another form of adoration was kneeling and prostration on the floor. So that's where we get the kneeling before the Lord, besides the Lord teaching us. But at the altars, we kneel before the Lord. Those of us that have a prayer life that actually spend time with God, it's very common if you were to see us, be a fly on the wall, you would find us just laid out before the Lord at times, just stretched out on the floor. Not because we were, quote, slain out under the power, but no, we just got comfortable and we laid prostrate before the Lord, worshiping him in adoration and in praise. Among the Romans, the devotee with his head uncovered applied his right hand to his lips, bowing and turning himself from the left to the right. That's how the Romans would do that. That was a form of adoration. The Persians fell on their face, striking their forehead against the earth. Aren't you glad that we just kneel? But they would do that. That was a form of adoration. And then they would kiss the ground that they just struck with their forehead. Wow. The adoration paid to the Grecian and Roman emperors consisted in bowing and kneeling at the feet of the prince, laying hold of his robe, then withdrawing the hand and clapping it to their lips. It was a form of adoration. So if I'm going to adore God, if I'm going to come before him in adoration, then that means I'm going to come before him in, in great humility and in great love, and I'm going to bow before him or I'm going to kneel before him, symbolizing to him that I realize and respect the position that he has and the position that I have. So that's why we kneel, and sometimes that's why we lay before the Lord, and sometimes that's why we do those things. And how many of you know that God deserves our greatest adoration? He does, doesn't he? He deserves our greatest adoration. So to adore is a word that describes the activity, and I, I put this down here. This, you won't find this in the Webster's. I just kind of put it down here. But to adore, to adore is a word that describes an activity of great love. Of great love. So, Lord, I adore you. I have great love for you. And so, when I come into the presence of the Lord, the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to express my adoration to Him. And I'm going to bow before Him and I'm going to kneel before Him and I'm going to show Him my great love for Him. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's declaring to them, I know who I'm bowing to. 
I know who I am. I know who he is. He is superior. He is over me. He is greater than I am. The whole family in heaven and earth is named after him. That's why I bow my knee in homage to him. And I do it for the purpose of him granting you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So I'm going to come before God. I'm going to adore him. I'm going to bow, bow before him on your behalf. That's adoration. Adoration is showing great love and asking God to give someone else the payoff for it. Not wanting anything for myself. God, I'm just going to love you because you're God. God, I'm, just, I, I'm not going to love you for what, you've, what you can do for me. I'm going to love you because of what you've already done for me. Everything, you've done everything for me that, you, that was ever required of you, God. And Lord, I'm, I thank you for that. And so I'm going to adore you and I'm going to love you. And Lord, if you want to just pour uh, the, the payoff of this or, or, or the harvest of this adoration onto someone else, that's fine with me because that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it just because I'm totally in love with you, God. Many times I have made the statement, if there was no heaven and there was no hell, I would still serve God for the relationship because he's wonderful. And that's what happens when you fall in love with God. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. In other words, I want you to be able to see just a little bit of what I see. I want you to be able to comprehend the greatness of God. I want you to comprehend the love of God and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. The whole reason that I chose this as my life verse as a teenager when I graduated from high school and stood before that group of 300 kids and gave my speech I told them I said this is my life verse what I want more than anything in the world is to be so full of God that people can only see God when they see me to know the love of Christ the only way that you can be filled with the fullness of God is to be on a quest to know his love to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Every single church that we have pastored has always said the same thing. You go to that church and you will feel the love of God like you've never felt it in your entire life. People say that about this church. People have said that about every church we've ever pastored. You know why? Because you have a leader who is insatiably in love with God. Insatiably. And then the Bible says, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now we go over to First Chronicles. If I can get over there, I should have just had someone else turn there and just have you read it for me. First Chronicles chapter 29. First and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. Come on, Jonathan. I'm so used to my little app thing anymore. First Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13. David provided an example here of offering adoration and praise to God. First Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 13 says this. Wherefore David, 
blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, now this is adoration. Listen, this is adoration. David said, blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. This is adoration. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. That's an example of a prayer of adoration. So tomorrow morning when you get up and you want to pray, Just turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 29 and read verses 10 through 13 as if it was coming from you. That'll get you started. That'll help you understand. Hey, I I need to adore him in the very beginning of all of this. Then we move on after adoration, after we've adored God for a while, after we've just loved on him, after we've been the recipient of his presence and his power, and, and, and many times his purpose comes to us during these times of intimacy in prayer. After we've done that, then we can shift because we've got the attention of heaven and, 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 we, and we have declared that we know who God is and we know who that we are and we've just spent some time, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, just loving on Jesus, just loving on him, just loving on the Lord, just totally in love with him. Then there'll come a time during that when you can kind of feel the atmosphere shift a little bit and what God's waiting for at that time then is a little bit of confession little confession. Because see, what happens in the midst of this adoration, in the midst of this praise, in the midst of this confession of who God is and who we are, what happens is the, the spiritual blinders begin to fall off of our eyes and we begin to see things many times about ourselves that we didn't even know was there. Oh, other people can see it, but we can't see it. Even if you put the mirror in front of our face, we still can't see it. But other people can see it, and when they tell us about it, we're not real receptive to it because we don't want to say, but God has a way of getting us to see things that we need to confess before him and ask him to help us with. And so the Bible teaches us here in Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13, he that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaken them shall have mercy. That's what the scriptures tell us. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, if I cover my sins, that'll stop me from prospering. In other words, if I'm living a life of secret sin, I preached a message years ago when I was evangelizing called the downward spiral of secret sin. And I talked about how that it works its way into our lives until we become immune to the conviction of it. And before you know it, it's robbing us of the blessing of God and the favor of God and prosperity and all these kinds of things. You think because you hit it that people can't see it. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what my mama used to tell me. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. 
He sees everything you do. He hears everything that you say. And guess what? He even knows what you think. I found out through the years, you can lie to me and get away with it, but you can't lie to God and get away with it. You might be able to hide it from me and you might be able to bamboozle me, but you'll never, you know why? Because God's keeping a record. You don't have to keep a record. God's the one that keeps the record. He knows every time that we do something we shouldn't. He knows every time we think something that we shouldn't. And so we have to learn when we're praying that there's going to come a time when we need to enter into this intimate time of confession before the Lord. Now listen, this is not a time, listen very, very closely. Everybody hear me? Hear me very well. This is not a time of condemnation. It's a time of great love. It's a time of great love. It's the process whereby God takes things out of our life that separate us between himself and us. It's the process whereby it's called atonement to make us at one with him or at one meant to bring us closer to God. And the closer that we get to God, the only way that we can really become one with God is to get the things out of the way. The Bible puts it like this. We are to lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us so we can run with patience the race that God has set before us. So in the process of our prayer, there will come times when the Lord will begin to reveal things to us that we need to set aside that may not even be a sin but they might be a weight that so easily besets us if you're carrying too much weight it's a whole lot harder to run and he said to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you so you can run with patience the race that God has set before you so it's important for us to not only confess the sin, and you only confess the sin to God. You don't confess it to one another. You confess your faults to one another, but you confess your sins to God. And then we need to ask the Lord to help us to lay aside the weights, the things that are holding us back, the things that are coming between us and God. Well, what would some of those things be like, Pastor? Well, sometimes they're like attitudes that we can develop. You know, and sometimes those those attitudes that we develop, uh, we came by honestly because, frankly, we grew up around them, and we just kind of absorbed them into into who we are. The best way to get rid of those attitudes is to hang around God more, and you'll start absorbing more of Him. And you do that through praise and worship. And you do that through the word of God. And when that happens, then, then God begins to purge those things out of our life, those things that are weighty that stop us from being close to God. The psalmist David in Psalms chapter 51, verses 1 through 13, prayed a prayer of confession. I want to read it to you. Here's what he said. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. In other words, I take ownership of them, God. I realize they're there. I confess them before you. 
against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. One of my favorite scriptures, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I prayed that prayer today. I said, Lord, help me to keep a right spirit, Lord. Help me to keep a right attitude, Lord. Lord, I don't want to have the right, the wrong spirit. I don't want to have the wrong attitude. I want you to be pleased. I had a meeting today. At the end of the meeting and the person left, I was sitting there in my office and I put worship music on and I leaned back and with tears streaming down my face, I asked God this question. I had no idea I was going to be this vulnerable with you tonight, but I asked God this question. I said, God, were you pleased with this conversation today? Those words came out of my mouth. I said, Lord, were you pleased with this conversation today? I said, God, are you satisfied with what we have done? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. In other words, Lord, when you get me cleaned up and you create this clean heart in me and you renew this right spirit in me and Lord, I, the Holy Spirit is with me. Lord, I'm gonna testify to people about what you've done for me. I'm gonna testify how you cleansed me, how you washed me, how you made me clean. Lord, I'm gonna let people know that you don't have to live like that for the rest of your life, that God can take a stony heart out of you and put a heart of flesh in you, that God can take hatred and bitterness and strife out of you and put a heart of love inside of you. I'm gonna let people know that God can take all of that suffering and all of that pain out of you and put joy back inside of you. Lord, you do this for me and I'm gonna tell transgressors your ways and because of that testimony, sinners will be converted unto thee. The proof is always in the fruit. The proof is always in the fruit when, when people give their life to Christ because of the example of a Christian life that you live. That's proof in the fruit of your life. Confession. A prayer of confession. So there you go. Psalms 51 verses 1 through 13. After you get through with adoration, then, then allow the Lord to shift you into a time of confession now, I don't have time to really get into this but you could also switch into the confession of the word over your life at that time Lord I confess that you've made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus now Lord, I confess that I'm healed and whole. Lord, I, I confess according to your word that I have the favor of God and the blessing of God upon my life. And you can begin to shift into confessing that and then that will transform into the third thing I want to talk to you about tonight and that's thanksgiving. 
So we begin with adoration, acknowledging who God is. We bow before him. We shift into confession, receiving the cleansing of our sins and God justifying us and putting us on a right path and pulling us close to him. And then we go from that into a time of thanksgiving where we begin to offer thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving is a key component of effective prayer. In Ephesians chapter 5, 19 through 20, the Bible says this, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving in singing, thanksgiving, in praying, thanksgiving, in spiritual songs and in hymns and making melody. Lord, I thank you that you're who you said you were. Lord, I thank you that you're who you said you are. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the times of, and you just begin to testify of his goodness and you rehearse the things that God has done for you and you don't just talk about things that happened 15 or 20 years ago. You talk about things that happened yesterday. You know, Lord, I thank you that when I got up yesterday morning or this morning that I had breath to breathe. And Lord, I thank you that there was food on my table and clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. And Lord, I thank you for taking care of my family, God. I thank you, Lord, for giving me a good spouse. I thank you for giving me good children, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, for the blessing of the Lord upon my life. Lord, I thank you for that. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2 says to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Effective praying requires thanksgiving. An attitude of gratitude can take you to a level that you never knew would exist in life. That's how you overcome depression. That's how you overcome discouragement. That's how you overcome, you know, cast not away your confidence which has great recompense of reward. That's how you overcome it. You overcome it by just start, starting to live grateful. I'm not talking about just talking grateful. If you're living grateful, it's gonna naturally be there. But Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the life that you have given me. Lord, I thank you for that. And I give you praise for that. Well, it could have been a little easier. He could have worked for me a little more. You know, when I was younger, he didn't have to make things that bad. Well, first of all, it probably wasn't God. It was probably you. It's probably the choices you made. Be grateful. Find something to thank God for. There's always something to thank God for. I was thanking God this afternoon for toothpaste. Because I had this taste in my mouth I couldn't get out. And I asked Kim, I said, Kim, you got any toothpaste? She said, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, thank you very much. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Jesus offered thanksgiving. He, he was thankful for revelation in Matthew chapter 11, 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, but has revealed them unto babes. Jesus was thankful for divine revelation. Jesus was thankful for the sacraments, the process of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Matthew 26, 27, And he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. 
this do in remembrance of me. Jesus was thankful for provision. John chapter 6 and verse 11, Jesus took loaves and fish and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that sat down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would and through that gratitude, through that attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, there was a miraculous provision. Jesus was thankful for resurrection power. In John chapter 11, verses 41 through 44, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And he thanked him before Lazarus was raised from the dead. It was a declaration of faith. He said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin and Jesus said unto them how many times have Pentecostal preachers preached this? Loose him and let him go. It all began with gratitude in verse 41. Father I thank thee that thou hast heard me. The last thing I want to talk to you about tonight is supplication. We begin with adoration, and I'll give you the definition of it here in just a moment, but we begin with adoration. We shift into confession. This is the process of prayer. Then we move into thanksgiving. And then from that point, we're kind of really ramping up. Normally we would think we were winding down, but really you're just ramping up your day. So you shift into what we call supplication and supplication is an entreaty, a humble and earnest prayer in worship. After you have adored him, after he has cleansed you, after you have spent time and gratitude and thankfulness, then the presence of God, listen very closely, will settle upon you. And in those times is when the Holy Spirit will pray through you sometimes with groanings which cannot be uttered. Intercession. Praying for things that you don't know, for people that you don't know. I heard a story. I'm trying to think of who shared it with me. I know it was yesterday or the day before. This man was praying. He had almost, was almost dying. And he opened up his eyes and he said, God, it's not time for me to leave. I don't know why this is happening. He opened up his eyes, and in the corner of the room, there was a little old man standing in the corner of that room that just appeared there. This man prayed, and he said, Lord, I don't want you to kill me. Don't let this man kill me. Don't let this demon kill me. And the Lord sp spoke to him, and he said, this man is not a demon. 
And he said, the Lord translated him in, in this vision over to a little hut in Mexico where there was a little man that looked just like this man on his knees praying, saying, God, I can't travel the world. I can't go around. I can't do what all these other people are doing, but you can just take me and use me wherever you want to. And the Lord took him and put him in that room. That man came over, prayed for that man. He was completely healed. The older man just disappeared. And the Lord spoke to the man that was healed and said, everything you do for the rest of your life, I will put to this man's account. All because of prayer. I want to share something with you. Don't think I'm weird, okay? But I want to share something with you that happened to me when I was young. I say young, probably about 19 years old. I was in Canada. I was preaching many, many times a day at that time. Sometimes two and three times a day. There was one time in 1989 or 90 where I would actually preach on Sundays five times a day. Now, this two times on Sunday just gets me now, but back then, I, I was doing it. I was young. I'm still young, Irma. I'm not 50 yet. I went to sleep, and I had been, it, it was one of those, one of those, because what I used to do was, I, when I was single, I'd go up there, and sometimes I'd have two or three days between the next meeting and stuff like that, and I was all by myself, and I didn't have time to come home. So what I'd do is I'd check myself into a motel and I would lock the door and put the do not disturb sign on the outside and there are times, I kid you not, that I would pray and just sleep, wake up and pray until I fell asleep, wake up, pray. And I'd do that sometimes for two and three, four days at a time. Just being with the Lord. One time I was doing this and I call it shut in and Kim knows what that means. I'll tell her. I'll come into the office. I'll say, I'm shutting in for a couple of hours. And, or she'll look at me and say, you're shutting in, aren't you? Because I think she can see the look in my eye. When it, she's like, yeah, when I know that God's pulling on me. And so um, I was praying. The Lord carried me away in the spirit. And I was preaching to a bunch of people in Asia as far as the eye could see preached my heart out in this vision might have been a dream preached my heart out I mean prayed for people thousands of people came to the Lord just I mean just over and over and over it just and when I when I woke up I was completely exhausted drenched drenching wet and and I got up and took a shower and went back to bed because I was exhausted after I woke up, I said, Lord, what was that? And he said, you remember what I did to Philip? Where I translated him to be in the chariot? He said, I just did that with you. And he said, you will never know the souls that are to your account until you see me in heaven. That's the power of prayer. And you tell me prayer's boring? <laughs> There's absolutely no way that prayer's boring. The only time that prayer is boring is if you're really not praying. This right here will create an appetite for prayer inside of you. Supplication. Supplication. 
Supplication is entreaty, humble, earnest prayer and worship and all of your supplications to the Father of mercies. Let us remember that there's a world out here that wants us to pray for them. Supplication is petition and earnest. Now, here, now, now listen to this. Man, uh, wow. This, this, this here is is. It's crazy. Listen to this. Supplication. This is a definition. When I was studying this actually this afternoon, I got down to this part of it. When I was studying this, I had never seen this in supplication before. Listen to this. In Roman antiquity, a religious, this is a definition. In Roman antiquity, a religious solemnity observed in consequences of some military success. Listen. It consisted in sacrifices, feasting, offering thanks and praying for a continuance of success. I thought, Lord, I need to translate that into English so we can understand what it means. And here's what I come up with. It was a humble celebration of victory during conquest. That's supplication. That's when you're in the middle of the battle and you just won the skirmish, and you said, God, I'm going to stop right here for a minute and give you some praise. That's supplication. That's what supplication is. We're encouraged to let our request be made known unto God. We don't have to let our request be made known unto God before the fact or after the fact. We can let our request be made known to God during the conquest. And if, we, and if we're asking for things during the battle, then how come we can't celebrate when we win a victory in the midst of the battle? That's supplication. And if I'm going to earnestly entreat the Lord and earnestly pray through supplication, then why would I not earnestly entreat and celebrate my victories? That made me want to get up and shout. And I didn't feel like it, but I feel like it right now. That just made me want to get up and shout because it made me realize I can get serious about some praise. I can get serious about some worship. Okay, so you don't like the dancing and the shouting and praising the Lord? Well, just sit over and sway then. Just let the Holy Ghost sway you. Go right ahead. But some of us want to shout a little bit. Some of us want to dance because we are earnestly celebrating the victory. Never, ever, ever find fault with someone else's praise. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're celebrating for. Never find fault with someone else's praise. Just rejoice with them and praise with them and supplicate with them. We're commanded to make supplications for all men. Widows are known for their supplications night and day. First Timothy chapter 5 and 5. Solomon made supplication at the dedication of the temple. First Kings chapter 8 verses 28 and 29. Here's what he said. Yet have thou respect unto the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication, O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and to the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee today, that thine eyes may be open toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which thou hast said, my name shall be there, that thou mayest hearken unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. Can we pray that today? Lord, will your eyes be open toward my life night and day? 
Because see now, we're the temple that God dwells in. That's why, Rachel, when you're up here leading praise and worship, and that worship just wells up inside of you, and I can see when God flips the switch on you. Am I the only one that sees it? Not only can I see it, but I can sense it. It inspires me to worship and to give Him praise. But that's the very reason that God flips that switch is because you're the house of His praise now. You're the house of His worship. We're the house of His praise. We're the house of His worship. If we're going to offer to Him supplication, then we need to say, Heavenly Father, I want you to do this in me night and day. Lord, I want to have an earnest expectation of your presence. Lord, I want to have an earnest expectation of victory because you're my God and I'm your child. And no matter what is said or what is done, nothing will ever change that. It'll never change it. The revelation of that leads us into worship which is the expression of our love to our Heavenly Father. And that expression of love should be practiced every single day. It's called prayer. Prayer, let's stand, come on. Let's just enter into some worship here for just a few moments, come on. Come on, hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.